Hey church, Pastor Cody here, and I just want to say thank you for stopping by and joining us in worship today. And while we're super excited that you're hanging out with us for this message, we also want to remind you that this is really just um, a supplemental resource that cannot and will not replace the local church. So while um, we're, we're glad that you're here, while we're glad that you're encouraged and, and, and uh, challenged and shaped by the Word of God that's being preached today, we also want to um, let you know that this is really just a substitute and in no way should forsake the uh, gathering together of the local church body. We believe that the local church is God's plan A in speaking the gospel. So please come hang out with us here at rest um, this Sunday morning with us or um, go find another Bible-believing church. Jesus is preparing the church um, that's close to you. I mean, he's challenged you to get plugged in there. Um, Jesus loves the church. And we love Jesus and we believe that we can love Jesus better by being locally connected and serving her well. So um, just jump right in with us and we're glad you're here. Our culture, whether it's uh, divorce or, or remarriage, uh, and then there's you know the new house, and then you add new siblings to the dynamic, and new rules, and, and, and this could be an adoption or, or in fostering. There are a lot of really tricky areas uh, for, for us to navigate as, as a parent or a step-parent, and I can't guarantee many things in this life. Uh, but I can guarantee that in a new blended family dynamic, whether it's biological or bonus or step, your kids will push the boundaries and test the waters. Amen? If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about this morning. A step parent, you know, you know those buttons I'm talking about that, that our kids push sometimes. And, and here's a parent hack for everyone. Uh, there are no parent hacks because everything is hard. Everything is hard. Uh, you know, actually, here's a, here's a hack for you. You can, you can use your tears to clean off the Crayola from your walls. It's better than dish soap, Sean. Uh, forgive me. I'm a little jaded this morning. My boys, they broke my lamp last night, and so... I'm just asking for forgiveness in my heart this morning, but we love kids here. But there's, there's this balance, right? There's this balance you're trying to navigate between disciplinarian and, and, and being liked and, and listened to. All the while, the kids, they're just, they're just trying to figure out exactly who you are. One of my earliest memories uh, uh, with my stepmom, Susie, it came in the form of a test, kind of like this. Uh, me and my dad and, and Susie were headed from our house in Princeton to his house in Nashville just when I was a little feller, and we had stopped along the way somewhere to get some ice cream. And so I had got this, uh, this creamy, cold, uh, amazing vanilla cone that I was chowing down on in the back seat. And about halfway through, I realized I didn't want to hold this cone anymore. And so an act of bravery, I asked Susie, um, I said, hey, will you, will you hold my, my cone for me? And sure enough, she did. And, and in the back seat, I, I went to sleep. And about an hour later, I woke up. And she had this uh, ice cream cone in front of the AC trying to, you know, keep it alive. And it was uh, halfway melted down her hand. And, uh, as I, and, I, and I told her, I said, thanks, you know what, I really don't want that anymore. 
But, but what I was doing is I was, I was, I was testing her. I was, I was trying to figure out if she was somebody that could be trusted with just a really ordinary act of faithfulness. With just an ordinary act of faithfulness, could she be faithful to this ordinary task at hand? See, sometimes God, he calls you and he calls me to these big, extraordinary things. And then there are some times where he just calls us to be faithful in the everyday, ordinary kind of, of task. And, and sometimes maybe it's a big, bold faithfulness he asks for us. Like he asks you to go into a, a hostile territory on a mission trip. Or maybe he asks you. It's just three verses this morning for us to walk through, and, and it's three areas of Paul's example that he's going to walk us through. He's going to walk us through his past, his present, and God's future faithfulness. And so number one will be it's Paul's present faithfulness in, in verse 6. And what he's going to do is he's going to reflect on the circumstance that he's, that he's currently in, the, the current struggle that he's going through as he's looking to his impending death. Then uh, in verse 7, Paul's going to show us an example of his past faithfulness. And he's going to remember, he's going to recall this, this fight that he's fought, this race that he's run with these ordinary and extraordinary moments of faithfulness in his life. And, and it's really a standard for you and for me to strive for. And then finally, he's going to wrap this up in verse 8 with God's future faithfulness. And he's going to come to this reality, this realization, um, this glorious hope that he can still have, even though he's in a hole in prison, that God is faithful. And the, the main truth we're going to carry along with us through this text this morning is this, that God will prove his faithfulness publicly whenever we practice our faithfulness privately. God will prove himself faithful to you publicly as you practice your faithfulness before him privately. And so we'll pray and then just have some conversation together about what, what Paul has to say to us this morning. Have to happen before Jesus returns according to the scriptures. But he also reflects on the fact that Jesus probably isn't coming back at that moment to pull him out of the hole and to save him. And so Paul's execution, it comes even before the temple's destroyed. But Paul, he, he understands, he understands the imminence of Jesus' return, that Jesus is coming back. He gets that. But the realist in Paul stands up and he knows that he's uh, under uh, Rome's jurisdiction. He knows that he's under one of Rome's most tyrannical leaders and he knows that he's looking death in the mirror. And so you can feel the exhaustion in, in what he's writing. Look again what he says. I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. And the big idea is that this is, this is Paul's life, that he's presenting before God the totality of his life that he's setting in front of Jesus as his spiritual offering. Earlier in Romans chapter 12, uh, Paul wrote to the Roman church and, and, he, and he said this to them. He said, I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing or acceptable to the Lord, which is your spiritual act of worship. Furthermore, he wrote five, about five years earlier a similar analogy to the church at Philippi in Philippians 2. And he said this, even, even if I'm going to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial altar of, of offering of your faith, he says, I'm glad and I can rejoice with you all. Paul is ready. Paul is ready to be offered up before the Lord Jesus 
And, and this is a description he pulls, by the way, from the Old Testament sacrificial system where during uh, the, the, the ritual, a lamb would be placed upon the altar to be sacrificed and wine would be poured out and splashed in front of the altar. And, 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 and so this, uh, this pouring out, some scholars say that it could have been a symbolism of Paul's death because Paul, is, he's a Roman citizen, and so by law he can't be crucified. And so maybe he was looking forward to or, or got a glimpse into that he was going to be beheaded. And in the same way, when his head was chopped off, the blood would spill like the wine would at the altar. And may, maybe, maybe that's an illusion.